0: Good morning. Good good to see you here this morning. Uh, We do have quite a few here uh, that are visiting with us. Uh, Some I've not seen uh, since I've been here, so I'm not sure if you're traveling or if you're just uh, in the area uh, checking us out. Uh, We're excited to have you here with us. Uh, We love to get to know uh, fellow believers, and we also love to get to know those who are just interested in learning about God and learning about Christ. Uh, If you want to get out your Bibles, if you have one with you, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 this morning and studying in the book of Acts. We've been working our way. We worked our way through Matthew. Now we're starting into the book of Acts, and I'm excited to uh, go through this study together with you. Uh, If you remember, uh, as Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. Uh, But as we studied last week, Uh, That did not mean all of his work is finished. Uh, That simply indicated that the redemption plan has been uh, completed. And now what is left is uh, to spread the good news of that. uh, To bring about the transformation of hearts and souls and minds. uh, To to obedience to God, to faithfulness. And that's essentially what the book of Acts is about. Uh, In the first verse it, it says... Uh, Luke is is writing this. He says, uh, In the first book, I I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The Gospel of Luke is uh, the complete life of Jesus, but it's just the beginning of his work. There is more work that Jesus is planning, that he is uh, going to perform and do in the book of Acts. So the story of Jesus doesn't really end. Uh, It continues on through this book, And as you go to the very end of the book, you notice it's kind of left on a cliffhanger, uh, and there's maybe some potential reasons for that, but uh, I think the Holy Spirit's reason is because it's still going. Jesus is still working. He's still uh, building up and creating uh, a group of people who are faithful to him, who love him, and who are part of all the kingdom blessings that he wanted to give. Um, We talked about last time how uh, he presented himself alive to his disciples by many proofs. He showed them his scars on his hands and his side uh, and and maybe his feet as well so that they could see it's really him. He ate with them. He was really with his disciples. And then he spoke to them for 40 days about the kingdom of God and explained things to them over that period. Uh, And and then Luke kind of wraps up. Uh, the very end of Jesus' talk with his disciples. And we talked about the first half of that uh, last week where he said that he is uh, going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit not many days from now and that that is going to bring the promise of the Father that, that everyone's been waiting for all throughout the Old Testament. But that's not the end of uh, Jesus' talk with his disciples. We just had to put a bookmark in it because... What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit about? And and we'll see a lot more of that later on in in chapter 2, but uh, we needed to talk about that and think about that a little bit. Now I'd like for us to wrap up all that he said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Uh, So we're going to do that. Uh, And if you look, starting in verse 6, it says, When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So after he has made this statement, uh, John baptized you with water, uh, and I will, uh, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, uh, which we noticed in the Old Testament is a reference to all the kingdom blessings coming in, uh, the restoration of the kingdom, uh, the, the fortunes of Israel, uh, the Spirit being poured out like water on a thirsty land, all those blessings. Now here the disciples come and ask this question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, if you've ever studied this or you heard someone preach on uh, this text, maybe they would kind of poke fun at the disciples for asking that question. Obviously, the disciples still don't understand what uh, the kingdom is, that it's it's really a, a, a spiritual kingdom and not a physical kingdom. And here they are thinking that the physical kingdom of Israel is going to be restored. I've heard that before as well. But Why are they asking this question? Why would they ask the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Notice they don't say, Lord, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice the wording there. They don't say, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? They say, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words... They know, based on the 40 days and 40 nights, uh, 40 days of, of teaching about the kingdom of God, that He will, He has come to restore the kingdom to Israel. But is this the time that you're going to do it? The not many days from now, when the baptism with the Holy Spirit is given and the pouring out of the Spirit takes place? Uh, is this the time that, that all of those things are going to come true that were talked about in the Old Testament? That's really what they're asking. Not, will you restore the kingdom to Israel, but will you at this time do what has been promised in the Old Testament? So I think we kind of are unfair to the disciples to say that's a stupid question. No, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. We'll see in just a moment. Uh, But also, it makes perfect sense for them to ask that question because what he just said is, The the Spirit's going to be poured out. The the promise of the Father is finally going to come. And they say, okay, is it all going to happen at this time? In fulfillment with the Old Testament, is this it? That not many days from now, is everything about to take place? Well, look at at the promise in the Old Testament and understand where they're coming from. In Amos chapter, we talked about Isaiah, we talked about Ezekiel. Those those have a lot of that information. Look at another text. Here's Amos chapter 9. He says in verse 11, In that day I will raise up the booth of David that is fallen and repair its breaches. So the booth of David, David king of Israel, Jesus is the descendant of David. Uh, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the nations who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Notice this. They're going to possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations. This is like a total kingdom that's over all the kingdoms, okay? Declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. You see the picture of prosperity and plenty, and everything being uh, overflowing so that the one who's out there reaping is being overtaken by the guy who's who's supposed to plow because he's still reaping and, and, and there's so much to reap. You continue, he says, "...I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel." And they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. If you were a Jew in the first century and you had been listening to Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, what you were listening to and what you were picturing in your head is this picture The kingdom of God is a place of restored fortunes, a place of overflowing abundant food and prosperity and security uh, that you would never again be removed, that you would never again be uprooted. It's this eternal secure place where nothing gets taken away from you and where your kingdom that you're a part of is over all the kingdoms of the earth. And that's what they were thinking about whenever they said, "Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. They had that picture in their mind because the prophets were telling them that's what God's going to do. Now, we come to this text and we see the disciples just want to know when is all of that going to (laughs) happen? Because that sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. And, you know, if you were a disciple, you know, not too long ago, we got Matthew 24, which we all studied together. And if you remember in Matthew 24, Jesus promised that there's going to be persecution, that you're going to go before governors and and you're going to be tried and you're going to be punished and you're going to have all kinds of suffering. And in in verse 50 and 51, he says, the servant of mine who thinks that I'm not coming and they just go about doing whatever they want to do and they're not willing to suffer like I've called them to suffer, I'm going to come in a time they don't know. And so they're kind of like, hey, It sounds like we're going to get all the kingdom blessings. Maybe we can skip that whole persecution part. That's kind of what I speculate. They're probably thinking, like, hey, let me skip that whole persecution part. We can move right into all those kingdom blessings. That's what it sounds like you're about to do for us, Jesus. And so they want to know, is this about to happen? And Jesus responds. Look at verse 7. He said to them, you're so foolish. I can't believe you thought it was a physical kingdom I was talking about in the Old Testament. That's not what he says. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Notice, there's no rebuke going on here. The expectation of the kingdom of being restored to Israel is very much alive And it's probably in all that teaching in the 40 days when he talked about the kingdom of God. But what he says is, it's not not right now. You don't know when that's going to happen. They know that the kingdom will be restored not many days from now. But all of those blessings, yeah, it's not for you to know. You know, it makes sense for them to ask this question. I'm trying to get that point across. He said the kingdom blessings are coming. they are not many days from now, but the point he's making is I'm not giving you the complete timeline of everything. I'm giving you what you need to know, but it's up to God as, as far as when all those blessings that he talked about will be experienced by Israel and the fullness of them. Uh, the Father has fixed that by his own authority. And Jesus, whenever he's on the earth, says, God knows and, and I, don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a say in that. God's, God's in charge of that. So very fascinating uh, response that Jesus gives them. And then in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Now, if you're a disciple and you're concerned about the persecution and the trials and the tribulations that are about to come that he foretold in Matthew 24 before the destruction of Jerusalem happens, you see how Jesus says, well, it's not for you to know the times or seasons kind of a big letdown. Like, oh man, I was hoping we could skip that part. But then he encourages and he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be witnesses to the end of the earth. Because my kingdom is going, I mean, doesn't that sound like a picture of a kingdom spreading, going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the end of the earth? He says, you're going to receive power so that you can go and you can conquer and bring about the restoration that, that's, that, that was foretold in the Old Testament. The conquering of many nations is going to happen, not through sword, but through sharing what you have witnessed and experienced. And you're not going to be having to do that by your own power. I'm going to give you power to do that. And that's what we read about as we get into chapter 2. Power being given to his disciples, the apostles, so that they can go out and accomplish this mission of spreading the good news of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. I think it's important for us to understand all of that context as we study this because this is the setup for the entire book. This is basically the road map for how this book is laid out. It starts in Jerusalem, and then we see it spread to Judea, and then we see it spread to Samaria, and then we see it spread to the ends of the earth. That's what the whole book of Acts is, is just laid out, uh, showing us. So, right here's kind of a table of contents of what this book's going to be about. Then in verse 8, uh, verse 9, it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Your disciple uh, sitting there, can you imagine? Uh, what that would be like? He sits there and says, "You're gonna, you're gonna be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Jeru- uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth." And then he's just going up into heaven. I mean, that's—you ever seen anybody do that? I've never seen anybody do that. Uh, can you imagine what that experience would be like to see that—that that Jesus ascends and that he goes into the clouds? Now. Other times, Jesus has probably disappeared from their sight in different ways, but this is intended to give them a picture of where Jesus is going. And, and we might ask the question, why does Jesus have to go? That's probably what the disciples were, were upset about. Why does he have to leave us? Why can't we just have him with us all the time? Wouldn't that be great? But he told us back in John that it was for their benefit that he leaves. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Uh, And and if I don't go, then I'm not going to be able to serve you, to send the Holy Spirit to you, who's going to guide you into all truth and to bring to your remembrance everything that I said and everything that I did while I was on the earth. And so he has a purpose in mind for going up into heaven, and he has relayed that to his disciples Now, after he died, maybe there's this sense in which, oh, he left us, he's gone to be with the Father. But no, we see now he's truly left them, and he's now truly going to be with the Father. But what's interesting about that is the ascension in the clouds is portrayed in the book of Daniel. That was the scripture reading for this morning. Uh, Back in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, I'll remind you of it again. In a Bible class uh, a few months ago, and Roger kind of brought up the point that this is heaven's perspective. I don't know if you got that from a commentary or, or what, but this is heaven's perspective of this event that we read about in Acts 1. The disciples see Jesus ascend into the clouds, and heaven's perspective is the Son of Man comes up into the clouds, into where the Ancient of Days is located, and He's given the crown. He's given the throne and the dominion and the power and the authority to rule over the kingdoms of earth and of men. And so Jesus here in Acts 1 is fulfilling exactly what was foretold back in Daniel chapter 7. And and he's going up into heaven to sit at God's right hand to be given all rule and power and authority so that he can serve his disciples more effectively than if he were to remain on earth. And he's going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to guide them into all truth. And we'll read about that as we get into chapter two. Notice as these men are standing here watching and looking up into the sky, all of a sudden there's two men in white robes next to them. Wouldn't that be kind of creepy and weird? Like, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, And they say, why are you still here looking up? I've never seen the man fly before. That's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, I'm going I'm to think about this for a long time. But they ask, he, these men ask the disciples this question, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He reminds them, of what Jesus told him, told the disciples back in Matthew 24, I'm coming back. And so the implication is, it's time to get ready to work. It's time to be the servant of the Lord and do the work that he's given you to do and not be sitting here looking up into heaven wondering about how wonderful all that's going to be, even though that's what you want to do. It's time to get ready to get to work and to do the things that God has called you to do so that when he returns, he finds you ready to go and be with him. Well, we'll pause right there for today and and just consider the things that we've studied in this text. Uh, Hopefully, everyone has a better understanding of the restoration of Israel, Uh, that the restoration of Israel is beginning its final phase Maybe it's been in process since the return from exile, but it's beginning its final phase, not many days from this point that we're reading about in Acts. Uh, And no one knows how long it's going to be in this final phase of completion. It's called the last days. We'll see that in Acts chapter two. No one knows how long it's going to be in that mode until everything has been fully restored and all of those promises are realized. But What we read throughout the New Testament is there is a heavenly Jerusalem, a city built by God uh, that is uh, waiting for those who are faithful, Uh, that Jesus is reigning right now on a heavenly throne, and that we have all the heavenly blessings given to us right now. We're just waiting to experience the the fullness of the reality of what, what God is waiting to give to us, He's going to bring it to us and we're going to go to be with him and we're going to enjoy this to the fullest extent, but we don't know when that's going to take place. The disciples weren't even told uh, when that would take place. And it's interesting as we read this text, we see them kind of holding on to that promise and thinking about you know what that's going to be like without Immediately going and getting to work because uh, Jesus has promised to help them, send the Holy Spirit to them and give them power, but they're just amazed and mesmerized at the thought of what is before them. Do you, do you ever feel that way, like uh, just kind of locked in on the promises And what God has promised to you. The blessings of heaven. uh, And and all the wonderful things that God is going to do when this life is over. And does that prevent you maybe from actually stepping out and doing stuff? Are you just spending so much time uh, is coming to church just kind of like a holy huddle where we just think about how, how great things are going to be when this life is over and, and we just kind of encourage each other and then we just spend our time looking up and thinking about all those things and we leave here and we're just looking up and we're thinking about, oh, this is going to be so great. And do we realize he's coming back? And that... The fact that he's not here yet means we need to be doing the work that he's called us to do. The disciples are about to devote their lives to this work. They spend their time at first looking up and being amazed at the promises. But these angels come and tell them, what are you looking at? He's coming back. And the implication is he's on the throne He's ready to help you do what he's got you to do. Get to work. And I think the same goes for us. We need to be completely focused upon the work that God has given us to do. Because in just a short amount of time, we're going to experience the heavenly realities if we are willing to do that. If we're completely uh, enraptured and, and loving the truth of what God has blessed us with, that's wonderful. That's a great thing. You're not looking down on this earth and trying to desire after all these pleasures and all these things that are here. You know, that's, that's a wonderful thing that you're looking up and you're excited. But we got to get to work. Because Jesus is sitting on his throne And he's not sitting there looking down and saying, I wish my people would just look up here at me all the time and and just think about how wonderful it's going to be. Yeah, they need to do that. But I just wish that's all they'd spend their time doing. No, he, he is up there ready to help us seek and save the lost. We're called the body of Christ. We're here to do what he did while he was on this earth. And he didn't just sit around thinking about how wonderful it's going to be after the cross is over. He devoted himself to the work fully. All the way to the cross. What if we did that? What if we really did that? I mean, I know you got your life. I know that we have work and we've got family and we've got obligations. Maybe we've got hobbies and things like that. And that's okay, but... What if we took this picture of he's coming back and I better be about his work. What if we took that seriously? What would the church look like? What would your life look like? We're not really sure when he's coming back, but we know he's coming back. and We may not uh, spend all of our time Uh, dwelling on that. We may stumble. We may think about this world and the things that are in it and and get really excited about the things that are here and the fun that we can have and the family and the friends and the the money and, and stuff like that. But he went up into heaven. He's there right now. And he's wanting to help us do what we're created for. Are you submitting to his cause. Is he your life? I put this list up at the end of every sermon. As steps to take. To enter into the body of Christ. And receive all of the spiritual blessings. That he's called for us to receive. He's freely given to everyone who will accept it. And after you receive all those spiritual blessings, he's got a purpose for you in your life. To live to the praise of his glory, to shine a light for the world around you, to see how wonderful God is. Until your last breath. That's what you're here for. If you're here this morning and you've not received all the spiritual blessings, there's nothing really that should be preventing you from doing that. I mean, we're willing to help in any way. We are not going to be harsh towards you and judgmental towards you. If you want to give your life over to Christ, we will rejoice with you. It will be exciting and wonderful. But then you got to get to work. And life will get hard. Uh, And not focusing on this world is difficult and you'll stumble and trip and and have difficulties. But he's coming back one day. And all those blessings uh, will make this temporary pain and suffering worth it? Will you give your life to Christ? Is there anything we can do to help? Please come as we stand and as we sing.